So what happened was this medication is actually causing certain types of cancers. And so it was actually recalled. I mean, this isn't one where there were just a bunch of lawsuits. It was recalled. You can't buy it now off the shelves. Um, And that was, I believe, in 2019. Um, I remember that, that like, when that did happen, I went to the store. I think we were together, and I was like, oh, I need some Zantac. And you're like, oh, no, there's no, you can't get them Yeah, anymore. no more Zantac. No more that's causing cancer. Um, and so the types of cancers that it can cause are bladder cancer, um, gastric or stomach cancer, esophageal cancer, liver cancer, and pancreatic cancer. Wow, that's a wide variety. Yeah. Um, you know, but again, kind of like within that, that, that general, you know, as you can see how you're taking it. Yeah. And, um, so there are 79,000 lawsuits filed. Prioritizing profit. Prioritizing prioritizing pro- Dangerous drug and product cases. Welcome back. Another episode prioritizing profits, dangerous drug, and product cases. Another week, another show. We did take a little bit of a break last week. We still got something out. Fernie, the uh, mastermind wizard himself, put together a nice little compilation. I've yet to see it fully through, but I did see some clips, and they did look fantastic. Uh, how, how are you doing? How was this last week? It was fabulous. Um, I mean, how bad could it be? We were in Las Vegas. <laughs> Vegas, nice. Yeah, it was really good. It was a really, really nice trip. I mean, it was very different. I mean, the last time, like, everybody was there, mm-hmm. um, which was really fun. This one was a little more low-key since it was just me and Peter and a thousand attorneys. But <laughs> Very low-key. <laughs> but it was really fun. Um, in fact, let's see, Wednesday when we would have been recording, we were listening to Sting. Oh, wow. Oh, you know who Sting is? Uh, yeah, it sounds familiar. I mean, it's like Kiss, you know. I don't really know who Kiss is, but I know <laughs> everyone says it, and it's like yeah. movies, they'll reference it. Well, he was like the lead singer for The Police, like big 80s band. The Police. I didn't know the the police department had their own good <laughs> You don't know The Police? Roxanne. Um, oh, Roxanne. Yeah, 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 yeah. Roxanne song, and Every Breath You Take. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this is the Stalker song. Yeah. Uh, not, I made a bunch of them. Yeah. Not super familiar, but... Uh, oh, Message in a Bottle. Yes. Yes. I've heard that one. All right. So... You've, uh, you've heard all of them, but kind uh, of on the old, probably in the oldies realm. It sounds like uh, as much as I'm sure you love the podcast, seeing them live, I'm sure was a fantastic uh, yeah. replacement. Well, it was really good. It was kind of like, so the last time you were there and John Fogarty, he actually spoke at the lunch. So this was, this was the evening entertainment as opposed to the lunchtime thing. Um, but it was kind of a, a discussion. Uh, Mike Papantonio was interviewing him and talking about his life. He, you know, grew up in the UK and how he, you know, got into music and how he got his name and all kinds of, you know, little stories and then interspersed with him playing some of the classic music. Um, that we all know. And so it was um, just, it was a really nice experience. But that's what I was doing last Wednesday when we would have been. So that's interesting that they kind of like intermingled those two areas because you wouldn't imagine uh, them having anything to do with lawyers or personal injury, mass torts. Um, but it's interesting that they kind of bring them into the conversation. And I'm assuming it's more of entertainment value and, and like, you know, a headliner essentially where if people are on the fence about going to Vegas for, for that week, um, that might put them over. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's one of the perks, you know, they always have interesting people mm-hmm. performing just, you know, one of the perks of going. Um, and then also if you're going to Vegas, you kind of feel like you need to see a yeah. show or some uh, entertainer. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Actually, we had double billing this time because Paris Hilton was there as well. Wow. Yeah. And so we're going to get into that in detail when we talk about cases we're taking because she was there about cases that she thinks we should take and in fact she was kind of pitching to a thousand attorneys that's interesting that's interesting again another another person that i wouldn't imagine having uh much skin in the game or really being interested in this kind of area Mm. Uh, but i think it's great to see i mean it it is very important and it's good that it's coming to the attention of um, not only just everyday people but also people that are are famous and that kind of controlled the minds of a lot of everyday people. So. Well, and just that, you know, I mean, lawyers get a bad rap and yeah. um, a lot of people don't want to hang out with lawyers. So it's kind of nice when you see people. <laughs> people want to hang out with us. It's they really nice. Hang, I know. 
<laughs> we're not evil, horrible people. We, can, we do a lot of good in the world. And, you know, and that's the thing about Mass Torts Made Perfect. And one of the, the reasons I really enjoy going is, you know, it's a group of attorneys who really, I mean, they're committed to changing the world in a big way as opposed mm-hmm. to like one car accident case at a time. I mean, really changing policies, um, change, protecting, you know, huge groups of people from these pharmaceutical companies. Yeah. Um, so I, I always get very, you know, impassioned and um, re-inspired whenever I, whenever I go. And, it, and it's an opportunity to learn about what the new yeah. things are. And, it's interesting that you mentioned policy. Is that something that they discuss about, um, you know, lobbying politicians to kind of, uh, set up some more restrictions or some more um, uh, oversight over some of these pharmaceutical companies that have, especially, you know, the ones that we, we hear so often, Johnson & Johnson being a big one, these pharmaceutical companies that are kind of messing up back to back. Well, um, yes. And it's actually, we're going to hit on, it's a, that's a really good question and very intuitive of you because there's a few things that we're going to be talking about <laughs> tonight um, that, that really go to how the lawsuits affect change um, in policies, in laws, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, you know, oftentimes the lawyers are the ones who kind of start the ball rolling, where yeah. the lawsuits start happening, and that's when people start looking at things. And, and uh, you know, uh, state representatives and, you know, politicians want to get involved. They see, oh, my gosh, this is a really huge problem. And yeah. again, when we talk about the, the, the um, troubled teen industry that we're going to get into, um, uh, without the lawsuits, people wouldn't know this was happening. Mm-hmm. And they wouldn't start, you know, these whole movements. Um, and so I think that that does happen um, you know, quite often. Uh, there are certainly, I mean, like, for example, American Association for Justice has a whole lobbying um, kind of arm of it yeah. that does lobby for actual law changes. Um, and th- But that's a little bit different process. I mean, it's definitely one way to go. But then, you know, just getting these lawsuits out there, getting the publicity, letting people know that it's a problem and it's a big problem, you know, that really instigates a lot of change. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, it's an interesting topic. I've always been interested in lobbyists and lobbying and how that whole dynamic works. You know, I did think of it as a potential career path. Maybe I'll revisit it. Um, But I think it looks a lot more glamorous or it sounds a lot more (laughs) glamorous on, on, on the news. Um, or when you hear people kind of complain about it, I'm personally against it. I think it's it's uh, it's a sticky situation. Don't want to get into it. But what we should get into whoa, is whoa, whoa. we haven't heard what's going on with you. Oh, I mean, ah. nothing too crazy. Next week, um, a week from Saturday. So I will. I think when this when this releases, it'll be this up the upcoming weekend. Um, I'll be going to Amsterdam in Amsterdam. Ah. Very excited. Europe, never been there. Oh, I've been to Europe. I was say, Wait a minute. <laughs> Went to Portugal last year, New Amsterdam this year. It's for a, a pretty big NFT event. It's pretty much the biggest for where I, what I do, which is Solana, NFTs, um, a little bit of Ethereum. It's called Breakpoint. Um, and, and they have it every single year, and they always host it in, in you know fantastic places. Last year was Lisbon, Portugal. Um, and then... We went to Paris after that, just because we were right around the corner as well. <laughs> just because it's Paris. Yeah. Um, and this year is in, in New Amsterdam, which obviously I've heard fantastic things about. Um, I'm you, I'm sure you've went before. I've no? not actually been to Amsterdam. My dad went a yeah, few times. He absolutely loves it. Um, and then, all you know, you always hear the stories, Red Light District and the marijuana being legal before it was legal here, though. Right. I mean, it used to be like a big thing. People are like, oh, they're so excited. They're going to go to Amsterdam. And how crazy is it? You can just walk around and you can just go into places. And, yeah. and, and, and there's like a menu of marijuana options and it's legal and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, OK, that's kind of old news now. <laughs> yeah. Now, but what is new news? Mushrooms. You oh, can, are those legal? Now? Yeah. Yeah. Psychedelic mushrooms oh. are legal. So you can do essentially the same thing. As uh, dispensaries, but for... I mean, that's a little more intense. I mean, that's a... Yeah. Well, and it's so interesting, too, because there's so much in the news these days about using psilocybin, the you know, the active ingredient yeah. in the mushrooms um, for mental health issues um, and, and you know, really using it medically. But again, that's not legal yet. And so mm-hmm. maybe it's kind of the same thing. It's, it's legal in Amsterdam, and then the states will start potentially legalizing it, it, it medically. Yeah. And then after that, maybe it will even go to recreational, like the way of marijuana. I don't know. Who knows? I mean, create them another plant. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's out there. You got dispensaries of that. Why not? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. People get all hot and bothered about that. I know, I know. 
Uh, I am excited, though. It is a little bit of a business trip just because it's more networking. Yeah. I'm not going to be having any necessarily like big meetings there, but going for the grants program that I'm currently working on and, and leading with Monkey Dow. Um, that we work with Solana Foundation, so we're going to be meeting up with them. Uh, and then the, the, it's kind of like an opportunity for all of these organizations and communities that have been talking for you know years and years, or at least the last year since the last one, all these newcomers to come together and meet IRL. And so there's always a ton of IRL events, yeah, you know, yeah. just uh, people who have never seen each other or never met in real life, and then they finally get this opportunity. So a lot of uh, organizations host events, and Monkey Dow has, I think, four four events, um, which me and Christina got VIP passes. But of course, you are a VIP monkey. VIP pass, you got to do what you got to do. So we get for sure uh, spots at all of the events, which is fantastic. It can kind of become mayhem when you have thousands of people trying to get into, you know, a hundred person event. Um, that excited for that. And then I barely got us into there. The first NFT NYC, I don't know if you remember it. There was the magic Eden yacht party. Oh, I remember you sent me pictures of you guys on the yacht. Yeah. Matt. And it's not, I mean, it's a yacht, I guess, but it's more of like a miniature cruise ship. I mean, there's like floors to it. It's absolutely massive. And so they're doing another one of those. And I got us both into, into that as well. Um, so more networking, a little bit, of, a little bit of, uh, socializing and hanging out and having a good time. And then also, um, sightseeing because I've never been there before. So yeah. I want to experience the, the culture and the food. Yeah. Well, I would think it would be a good opportunity also just because, I mean, most people who work in that whole industry, I mean, it's yeah. almost like little gig kind of things. I mean, you know, yeah. no, nothing's like it's very contract work. Yeah. I mean, so it's not like a full-time job, but you can meet people and maybe learn about opportunities yeah. and maybe other areas, you know, within the whole ecosystem that you could um, yeah. get involved in. Cause I know you're, you're looking for a little more, uh, a little yeah. more action. I think, I think that's a great way to put it because, um, there, there definitely is, there are, there are consistent like jobs and consistent businesses and organizations, obviously that are ongoing. Uh, but a lot of the specific work, especially that I do, a lot of advisory and um, just kind of niche area is stuff where people only do it once or twice or each organization does it. Like, for example, releasing a collection. People right, are just right, going right. to keep releasing them. Um, so it is a great opportunity for that. And it's nice now because back when I went uh, last year and then NFT NYC the year before that, I mean, I've just continued to grow my resume and my experience yeah. and making connections. And so now I actually have something to bring to the table before. It was like, oh, please give me a shot. Now it's... Well, you had a lot to bring to the table. It yeah. just wasn't as obviously on a resume, but... <laughs> well, it couldn't put it down on paper, at least. Exactly. It was... um, but looking forward to it. Um, it's going to be gone for a week, so I think we are going to miss an- another show there. Yeah. Um, but we'll, we'll put it put up some other content. And uh, until then, just, just prepping for it, getting ready, and uh, yeah. doing what you got to do. All right. Well, that's very exciting. I'm excited for you guys. Let's hop into it, yes, though. Let's um, hop into it. Let's start with updates on cases. Yeah. So um, this is big, exciting news. And this was kind of like, uh, you know, breaking at the conference. In fact, I was in um, one of the meetings, and there's all this like, what's going on? And what had happened is um, in the Zantac litigation, uh, there's a, there was a case, one of the bellwethers that was getting ready to go to trial in November, yeah. and it settled. Wow. Yeah. And so everybody's like, ooh, this means it's going to settle. Um, and, and subsequent to that, it, it does look um, very much like this litigation will likely settle probably in the first quarter of next year. Wow. I mean, there's actually analysts, you know, financial analysts uh, figuring out what they think is going to happen. And this is um, GSK is the manufacturer of GlaxoSmithKline. Um, and so they're, you know, it, people are watching their stocks and the stocks went up a little bit after they settled this case. Um, and again, I think that they settled it um, out of concern that if they had a huge verdict, mm-hmm. I mean, that makes stock, uh, the stock uh, prices drop. Yeah. Um, and then also, it doesn't really bode well for the 79,000 other cases. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. So, and this is a litigation that's been going on for a while. But the really important thing about this um, that we really want to emphasize is that when, when something like this happens, there are signs that the case is going to to settle, 
this is the time if you have a case you really need yeah. to get involved. It's like now or never. Once there's a settlement inked, generally speaking, if you don't have a signed fee agreement, you can't take new clients. They mm-hmm. won't not be eligible to participate in the settlement. And so if people all of a sudden hear, whoa, there's a big settlement, and they start calling, that's exactly what's been happening to us with the 3M over the last several weeks. Yeah. Um, people hear about it on the news that it's settled, and then they can't get a lawyer to take their case. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, this is it, newsflash, Zantac litigation is probably settling. Um, If you have a Zantac case, you need to get to an attorney ASAP. don't miss out. Serious and, stuff. And and for can you give us a quick overview for anyone that might have forgotten, or maybe this is their first time listening of of the Zantac case? What are some of the issues? You know, what should you be keeping an eye out? How do you know if you have a yeah, case? Yeah. So absolutely. So Zantac, um, if you recall, is um, is a medication that was originally prescription only, and it was for um, you know like acid reflux. I um, took that. You took it, and most people took it. <laughs> I took it for a really long yeah. time when it was still prescription. Um, um, it, and it, cause it worked really well. It did. It, it was really nice. I, I remember I was always it's at nighttime when you're laying down and your uh-huh. stomach's just burning up, especially yeah, if you eat kind of late, yeah. it messes it up and that would always fix it. So heartburn kind of, you know, so it was a medication. And so what happened, um, and there were all the problems with the PPIs, which are the proton pump inhibitors, which was a, a different um, antacid type of medication, heartburn mm-hmm. medication. Um, and those became problematic. Um, and so everybody was like, oh, take Zantac. Then it, it, it came out that basically the, the active ingredient is something called ranitidine. And it is it, it can break down over time. It's an unstable molecule is how they word it. And it... That's unsettling. Unstable molecule. <laughs> I know, it sounds like it could blow up. Yeah, it? Yeah. Well, it won't blow up, but it could give you cancer. So uh, probably worse. Um, and so what, what happens then is it's part of contained within ranitidine is something called NDMA. So it's not MDMA. Yeah. NDMA. Um, and I'll try. <laughs> I'm glad that you're very specific there. I got a little excited. <laughs> I was like, shit, can I get some of this Zantac? <laughs> People were having a good time yeah. on it. They were going to raves and their yeah, stomachs yeah. smelled great. And <laughs> I see why their stock price went up. <laughs> yeah. So it's um, nitro. Okay. Nitro. Sadomethylamine. Anyway, it's NDMA. They don't need to pronounce it. Um, but that is a human is a probable human carcinogen. Mm. So what happened was this medication is actually causing certain types of cancers. And so it was actually recalled. I mean, this isn't one where there were just a bunch of lawsuits. Yeah. It was recalled. You can't buy it now off the shelves. Um, and that was, I believe, in 2019. Um, I remember that that like when that did happen is I went to the store. I think we were together, and I was like, "Oh, I need some Zantac." And you're like, "Oh no, there's no, you can't get them." Yeah, anymore. no more Zantac. No more. It's causing cancer. Um, and so the types of cancers that it can cause are bladder cancer, um, gastric or stomach cancer, esophageal cancer, liver cancer, and pancreatic cancer. Wow, it's a wide variety. Yeah. Um, you know, but again, kind of like within that, that, that general, you know, as you can see how you're taking it. Yeah. And, um, so there are 79,000 lawsuits filed. So, yeah. so and it, it almost sounds like all of those lawsuits have to be connected to cancer. Are there, you know, less serious side effects? Well, primarily it's just, it's a carcinogen. So no, it would basically be a cancer or some precancerous condition. And, you know, and again, uh, you know, unfortunately there are oftentimes, um, you know, some duplicative filings in there where somebody hired two or three attorneys. We've had that happen before. (laughs) Uh, People get a little crazy online filling out forms. Um, That, and then there's going to be, you know, some cases, sometimes people will file other cases that aren't cancers. And ultimately those are probably not going to be successful. But um, the majority of the, the majority of them um, are probably viable cases, um, and there are probably a lot of cases out there still um, where people have been diagnosed with one of these types of cancers and never heard about it potentially being related to, yeah. to the ranitidine, to the Zantac. Um, so there may be people who have suffered one of these types of cancers. And if they hear about this, they might be like, oh, wait a minute, mm-hmm. I did take this. Um, and it was, it, it was again, it was prescription for many, many years, and then it was over the counter. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are records from prescriptions, but then also, you know, as long as you, you know, 
you can testify about where you purchased it and how often you used it and that yeah. sort of thing. And oftentimes, too, even though it was over the counter, it'll be in medical records where you're discussing with your doctor your issues and they'll say, oh, just by the attack. Yeah, I was going to ask is how, how would you know that it's directly correlated? Because I know, for example, with mesophilioma, there's a specific type of cancer. Like you can actually see in the molecules if it's directly connected and, and, and it's a you know close and shut case essentially. This, I, it doesn't seem like that's a situation. It's more you just have to kind of make the connection if you've used it and then you have one of these cancers, and especially if you used it a lot. Um, yeah. then it's more than likely. Yeah, I mean, what they do is you, you'll look at um, what, what your other potential risk factors are. Um, if you have a lot of other risk factors, mm -hmm. then your case is not going to be as strong. And usually in, those, in, in the global settlements, that's how they, they quantify the case, how they determine the value um, or tier them um, or give them points, depending on how it's set points, up. Points, like it's a game. Well, but then, you know, there's, yeah. you, you take away points, you know, depending on if you were a smoker, if you had certain other chemical exposure that sort of thing that yeah. could, could uh, contribute to this type of cancer. Um, and then the people who have stronger cases, who are younger, who don't have other risk factors, their cases are going to be strong. And then it's also going to have to do with how much you took and for how long of a period. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you took it once in a while, you know, infrequently, that's not a great case. If you were somebody who really had stomach acid issues and you were taking it on a daily basis, you know, for months and years, yeah. that's a stronger case. So, um, but, but, but again, this is a situation where we all agree it's, um, this is a dangerous medication. Mm -hmm. um, it has been recalled. It is not on the shelves. You cannot buy it anymore. And we know that it's linked to these specific cancers. Yeah. So, um, I, you know, we are, I, I would say <laughs> it is expected that this global settlement is going to happen and is going to happen relatively soon. Mm -hmm. um, and, 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 you know, it's interesting, too. We've had a real rash of calls recently. And I'm not entirely sure why that is, because I haven't seen until this. I mean, you know, the, the kind of news I look at, you know, I'll see, you know, some rumblings about what's happening, but it's not in like mainstream media. No, of course. Yeah. So I'm not really sure why people were all of a sudden um, reaching out. But but the people that have reached out now, we're calling them back and saying, hey, you know, let's get this information in more quickly. Yeah. Um, time is really of the essence here. Um, and, and, and again, to anybody out there, you know, if you um, or anybody you know has one of these types of cancers, you know, were you using this medication? Yeah. Because there is a, there's certainly a good chance that it, it caused or contributed to the cancer. Yeah. I mean, and it's so scary, too, because this is something that was over the counter and, and you know, like we said, like I was using it, you were using it. Was and, using it. And who doesn't have heartburn or, yeah. you know, I don't know, stomach acid at times. I mean, you know, stress. I mean, when I was, I can remember years ago, and again, it was that was when it was prescription, but I mean, my stomach was just, you know, in agony. I mean, I was working crazy hours, really stressed out. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's what kind of what got me through. Yeah. It worked well. Uh, well, and, and I think it's one of those situations where you wouldn't assume that there would be any connection there. You'd have no idea unless you hear hear about it or unless someone tells you that you should take a look at it. And those those ca those cancers are very specific to, to the area that it would affect. Right, exactly. So if anyone has any of those, which, which what were they again? Bladder cancer, um, gastric stomach cancer esophageal cancer, liver cancer, and pancreatic cancer. Yeah, so if anyone has any of those, then I, it, it makes sense to just reach out and at least see if you were taking Zantac at any point, over-the-counter, prescribed, then at least kind of look into it. Um, because it, it, it is, it's good news that it's settled early. I mean, and, and that's a pretty big deal. These bellwether cases are essentially, you know, a, a look into what the larger scheme, the larger cases, bigger picture is going to look like. Right. Like a sample case, a sample what, case, what they yeah. could expect in the way of verdicts. And that's, so then wanting to settle this, you yeah. know, it's like, eh, I think they were scared, yeah. you know, because again, a huge verdict would then make the value of all of the cases go up. Yeah. And if they thought it was going to be a defense, verdict, I don't think they would have settled it. Well, and it's interesting, too. You said that their stock price went up after they settled it. I would have imagined it would be the other way around because it looks like they're about to have to do a big payout soon. Well, I mean, I think stock prices kind of go up and down daily. Yeah. And yeah. so when, whenever something happens, they'll go up or it'll go down a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, but it's just a, in, in, an indication that the markets notice this. And so this uh, run, so this risk has, has gone away. The risk of next month there being a big verdict. Yeah 
has gone away. Um, and, and also it would bode well for them to potentially settle the case in what they would consider a more reasonable amount. Mm -hmm. But I mean, you know, suppose they get a verdict for, you know, $10 billion against them. Oh, holy shit, your stock's going to go crash, yeah. right? Yeah. And then, the, or, I mean, I'm, I'm being crazy with $10 billion, although, you know, I mean, so see, $5 million or something like that. And then, you know, you look at, oh, and there's 79,000 of those. Yeah. Shit. That's a lot. And then you're going to see the stock go down and stay down. So, you know, making this move was, was smart on their part. That makes sense. And it's, it's good. It's so interesting, too, because before we um, last episode, before you left, we were talking about how you can kind of find out about some of these little things and what's going on and stuff before it necessarily like gets out to the wider public. And this seems like one of those situations. You mentioned you went into the room, you heard whispering, you're wondering <laughs> what was going on. You went to a back table, asked someone what was going on, and you heard this, this, these details. Yeah, well, and then it's in it's in the news, but it's not like a big blasting news thing like a huge verdict would be. Just the fact that they settled a case that's not going to go to trial. And most now. people wouldn't think much of it if right. they didn't know what yeah. it actually meant. No, I mean, it's going to be in the, the news that I follow, but it's not going to be in the news. It's not going to be on Channel 4 or NBC or something. They're not going to be talking about it, but they all would this, be talking about a big old verdict. All this propaganda. <laughs> yes, I'm telling you. They won't yeah. tell, you, tell, you, tell us what we need to know. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's really good news. Um, uh, you know, good news for all of the people who've already got their claims filed or pe for people who are, are getting involved now. Um, mm -hmm. But again, I just don't want this to be a situation like 3M where or when the news comes out that a settlement's happened, damn it, it's too late. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I and I feel like this is just going to be kind of the consistent story here is as these cases that have been going on for a, a long time now, and a lot of them got kind of hung up during COVID uh, with the lockdown and everything. But yeah. now with everything getting back on track and these these settlements getting closer it's even more important for people to reach out because once that settlement date comes, then like you said, it's, it's too late. You know, the, the attorneys aren't able to take any more, any yeah. more cases after that. Yeah. And, and just to be clear, it's too late to be involved in that settlement. I mean, in theory, as long as your statute of limitations hasn't run, you could still file an individual lawsuit, but man, it's, yeah. it's that, you know, now you're going to be looking at five, six, seven years and mm -hmm. litigation and all of that. Whereas getting involved in the settlement, um, once it settles, that's going to move pretty quickly and you're going to get resolved. And the other nice thing about this, too, is that some of these people have filed cases, you know, four years ago. Um, if somebody gets involved now, they get their case filed, they might get it settled within a year or, yeah. or paid out even close to that. That's, that's true. That's pretty amazing in these types of cases. That's crazy. So jump in now. And I'm assuming cases like this are, are pretty big payouts if they're all cancer-based. Right? Well, yeah. I mean, cancer is pretty horrible. And some of these, I mean, for example, pancreatic, I mean, is, is almost always terminal because yeah. it's so hard to catch it early on. Um, and then, you know, the other cancers, again, if you catch them really early, you, they may be survivable, treatable. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's it, what you go through is, is really devastating in mm -hmm. any of these types of, of conditions. So yeah, they should be relatively high dollar cases would be my expectation. Again, stronger depending on how well, you know, how much you used, how long you used it and other risk factors. Mm -hmm. I mean, as in any case there, you know, the, the, the strength of your case is going to vary on your individual circumstances. Well, it's, it's an unfortunate situation, but it is good news for, for that situation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and definitely looking forward to hearing more about that. It looks like, you know, hopefully it's around the corner. Um, it's funny that you said, you know, financial analysts are, are kind of doing all their homework right now to figure out how close it's coming, if it's going to happen, you know, all of the details yeah. of it, trying to predict the future, which, which makes sense. I mean, this is a big deal. And it's a big it, company. A big company. And, and it will. Lots of investors. Lots of investors will <laughs> make, some, make some waves. Uh, I do want to make sure that we kind of get through everything, though. Do we have any other updates on cases? Well, we do. And this kind of goes to what you were saying about how lawsuits may affect um, rules and laws and that sort of thing. Um, and so, in the, And this goes to the chemical hair straightener cases that we've talked about previously. And the FDA now is considering banning hair straightening chemical products. 
Wow. Right. And again, this comes up. I mean, the study came out, lawsuits started getting filed, Mm -hmm. and that's when you really start seeing the number of people who are affected. And this is now a proposed rule. It's not in in, in place yet. Um, But the way that the process works is that they propose this rule that that potentially banning the products, and then they will um, get public comments. And, you know, of course, I mean, the companies don't want them banned, um, but they will ultimately, you know, then make a decision about about banning the products. Yeah. Um, So, you know, I mean, it's we've we've talked about this. Um, I, I don't remember which episode. One of the early episodes, certainly. We, we can put a link um, for anybody who's interested in that. But just to kind of recap briefly, um, these uh, hair straightening products, if you use them relatively regularly, greatly increase your risk of uterine cancer. Yeah. Um, and of course, it primarily affects um, black um, and, and other women of color. Um, who use these more often on their hair. So um, a a lot of just kind of uh, uh, troubling aspects to the whole thing, the marketing and marketing to kids, but I won't go crazy on it. I mean, I will go crazy on it, but not right now because... Because like you said, we have a lot of things to cover, but, um, but, but this is a major development that the products may actually be banned in the future. And that's all hair relaxers. Not, it's not just the ones that are being directly connected. To well, this. the ones with the specific chemicals that, okay. um, you know, will, are more, are likely to increase. It's got the formaldehyde yeah. and, um, they're called endocrine, endocrine disruptors. Mm-hmm. So those are the ones that would be banned. <clears throat> and it's, it's going to be... It's going to be something to see because I think people, a lot of people probably weren't aware. I'm sure there are people using it right now today, uh, have been using these last few weeks and had no idea about the potential yeah. risks and issues coming up. And then it's going to be from one day to another where they're just not going to be on the shelves anymore. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, and sometimes that's what has to happen. And, and you know, where people, again, we talk about this, we see it in the news, yeah. but it's a very brief flash in the pan on most news stations. And so, so many people have missed it. People who are regularly straightening their hair may not even know about it. Yeah. So it takes something like this where you actually take the shit off the shelves mm-hmm. so they can't use it. And then they look it up online. They're like, where's my hair relaxer? Right. And but I mean, it's, but, and it's for their protection yeah. because not everybody hears about this. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, think how long it took to get people to realize that smoking caused cancer. Holy crap. I mean, yeah. you know, and a lot of publicity and these companies are certainly not putting that publicity out there. Yeah, uh, I think that is what needs to happen. It's going to probably wake up a lot of people, you know, make them research, Google it, figure out what's really going on. And I'm sure there's, if if and when this does happen, once it gets taken off the, the shelves, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a large influx of calls across the country of people that were using this, women that were using this, realize that there were some possible issues connected to it and then kind of connecting the dots and reaching out to an yeah, attorney. Yeah, and then realizing, oh my gosh, maybe that's why I've, I, you know, at age 30 have been diagnosed with uterine cancer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 So, and, and it's good to see from the FDA, you know, I, I know we've, uh, learned, I've learned quite a bit about the FDA, the FDA <laughs> and they don't always do things as, as well as, you know, they probably could or should. Uh, but this does seem like a kind of a win on their side where the issue came up and it seems relatively quickly that they acted on this. Right. Yeah. And again, I think that you have to give some credit to the lawyers who, Oh have... yeah. Of course. <laughs> Of course you're going to get credit lawyers. But again, when these lawsuits get filed, that's when you start getting the publicity and you start seeing the number of people who are, people who are affected. And the lawyers are putting their time and their energy and their finances in to really building these cases and determining the connections and, and, and basically – and actually that, that kind of goes to also in the update during MTMP, they were saying more and more studies are coming out and the science is just getting stronger and stronger yeah. um, supporting this link. So it, it – um, you know, and again, when the cases start out, it looks like a strong link. Is it or is it not? And then additional studies happen and sometimes it turns out that maybe it's not. Yeah. Um, but it looks like in this, in this case it is going in the direction that the cases are becoming stronger, the science is getting stronger, um, and that would then influence the – the FDA to say, hey, maybe this is a product that should not be on our shelves. It should not be sold to, you know, to primarily women and children. Some cases just start snowballing, it seems mm-hmm. like. Yeah. Once once kind of the uh, witch is shown behind the curtain, and <laughs> then everyone kind of realizes the connection there and the FDA has to act upon it. 
Um, Isn't it Oz who's behind the curtain? Oz. I thought it was. Oh, you're right. It is Oz. I think the witch is in the castle with the flying monkeys. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a while. It's been a while since I've seen that one. I was going for a good analogy. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I missed yeah. the mark. That's all right. It's um, close. I knew, I knew what you were getting at. I definitely want want to uh, continue updating on that, though, because I, I am really interested to see the effect that it will have to have those taken off the shelves. Because, I mean, with the, going back to the Zantac, is that I had no idea there was any issue. I would have kept taking them, even probably to this day, even if I knew there was some issue. Like you said, it mm-hmm. helps a ton. I would have been like, oh, well, I'm sure I'm not going to be one of those people. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to, it just helps a lot. I'm going to keep on doing it. And there's people using these hair relaxers probably have no idea because this oh, is yeah. definitely something that is, it's pretty niche. I'm sure a majority of news stations aren't going to be reporting on it. Yeah. And even the ones that are, like you said, flashed in the plant. But yeah, just briefly when there's a lawsuit. Yeah. But, you know, and what you said is a kind of the perfect example that, you know, you were using this medication and, and it was in the news enough that it was recalled, but you hadn't seen it. It wasn't, oh, yeah. The, yeah, you just, you, for, some, for whatever reason, that was not something that you saw, you knew about. You're looking for it on the shelf. And had it been on the shelf, you would have continued to use it. Yeah. So again, getting it off the shelf is the only way to protect people if this is a really seriously dangerous product. Mm-hmm. And here we go. Um, this is the one way you're, that, like you know, like you said, that women are going to stop using it. They walk in and it's not there anymore. And it's going to potentially save lives. And so if, if a FDA ban does happen, what does that mean for the status of these cases? I mean, I would imagine this would uh, push it forward a lot quicker. Oh, yeah. I, I, mean, I mean, it would... Yeah, I mean, it, it, <laughs> is it kind of like a, a done deal at that point? Because the FDA is now openly recognizing, wow, this is a problem. There are issues. Maybe it's not these specific cancers or these specific problems, but it's it's too much of a problem for us to leave it out yeah. there. I mean, it, it's never a done deal, and they're always going to argue. I mean, is it like, for example, Zantac, the same exact thing. This is a problem. It's a carcinogen. You can't sell it. But we're not going to sell the cases. We still don't think it's a problem. We still don't think it's a, we don't yeah. still don't think people are getting cancer from it. So they'll still continue to fight it. But it, it makes it so much stronger and such a harder fight and so yeah. much more likely that, yes, they're going to resolve the cases. Mm. So. Uh, that's good. And did you find this out at um, the the conference this week or was this something that came out in the in the news? Oh, that was in the in, well, both, actually. Yeah, I'm assuming <laughs> yeah. it was going to be big news at the conference. I mean, this yeah. is something that's new. I know that they're pushing it at one of the previous ones as well. Yeah. Um, well, we, we talked about the um, hair relaxers. Um, I was in a group meeting on that. And then um, we talked about how the science was getting stronger. But it wasn't until actually I got back that they act, that, that it came out that they were proposing it. In fact, I, let's see if I see the actual date on this. It was just a, it was maybe like a day or two after I got back that this came out that the FDA was going to ban it. So that actually had not that hadn't hit the news um, when nobody I knew talked about it um, mm-hmm. at the conference but yeah that's kind of breaking news breaking breaking news, news always you heard exactly. and it won't be a flash in the pan here <laughs> we'll be bringing it back up in the future uh, all uh, right well we should probably get into our uh, main topic because it's a really interesting let's do um, it. interesting topic <clears throat> and so that is the troubled teen industry and you know this is all completely new to me and this was why paris hilton was at Must Mustwort's Made Perfect. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know that much about Paris Hill. I mean, I know who she was, and, you know, she really kind of started the whole selfies, and she did the first reality show, and she was, like, the precursor to the Kardashians. I mean, she was, like, it, right? Yeah, I mean, it would, that's before my time, but... Yeah, well... Even I know of her and everything. Yeah, and so... But what I didn't know about her, and what really, I guess, nobody knew about her, was that she had been... Um, basically kidnapped in the middle of the night, um, uh, legal kidnapping, and Mm -hmm. taken to um, one of these facilities. She actually went through four different facilities. um, And the last one is like a really infamous one, um, Provo Canyon School, that is um, not famous, infamous. It's a nice name. Yeah, well, it's in Provo, Utah. But but so anyway, what these what these things are, um, they are like you, you hear them called like um, 
boot camps, um, what else do they call them, wilderness camps, they're military-style camps, but they're places where they take these teens who are acting out, and acting out could mean, you know, they're smoking cigarettes or they're staying out late or they're not meeting curfew or potentially they're involved in, in juvenile criminal activities. Whatever the parents kind of determine is, is acting out. Well, so it can be, you know, they call it voluntary where your parents um, basically sign you up yeah. or commit you to these places, but then there's also people who go there through the state. Mm. So they might be, say, foster children who are acting up, or they've gone through the criminal justice system, um, and and they're sent to these facilities. And the, I mean, it's just crazy. I mean, I knew that these things had existed, um, and I figured it sucked to go there, but I had no idea like the type of abuse that happens and how how easy it is. Um, Because you know, she was talking about. Well, first of all, when you first get get committed or sent to one of these places, they automatically say you're not going to talk to your parents or anybody for 30 days. Jesus. I mean, you're completely cut off. Yeah. I mean, you get in there, they like strip search you, they take everything away from you. Um, you have to earn privileges. Uh, you know, if you misbehave, you end up getting stuck in uh, solitary confinement. It's like a prison. No, I mean, yeah. seriously, I was so shocked to, to hear this stuff. Um, but, you know, when, and then when they finally are allowed to, to speak with their parents, Everything's listened to, just like you were in prison. And she was saying if she even started to complain or say anything, bang, they would cut the calls off. No way. Yeah. And I mean, like in prison, you know, we, we write a letter, but if you say anything about they're mistreating you or they're doing, you know, uh, watching you shower, you know, having male uh, people watch you shower naked. I mean, come mm. on. It was crazy stuff. I mean, it's all kinds of... Anyway, um, but if you start to mention any of that, they, they tear their letters up. It doesn't go out. Wow. Yeah. And so she was talking about this. And, and and the way that they take a lot of these kids is extremely traumatic. They come into their, their sleep in their beds and, you know, two big burly men come in, wake them up, handcuff them and drag them out. Yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy. And then she was talking about, you know, even and she's like 42 now. She was saying, I mean, she still has insomnia. She can't sleep. She has nightmares regularly. Um, about the things that happened to her in these various facilities. And she she was in four different ones and was apparently really good at escaping. <laughs> she escaped from the first three of them. Uh, actually, one of the stories she told was kind of funny. She was saying that, um, I guess they, they had her hand, or zip-tied. They weren't um, zip-tied, and they were going to take her on a plane to the facility. And she was saying she had to go to the bathroom, and she was, I promise I'll misbehave. I'll behave. I'm really embarrassed. Please take the zip-ties off, blah, blah, blah. And anyway, they take the zip-ties off. She somehow escapes from the airport, gets in a cab, and then she goes to a Hilton hotel. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, she was caught yeah, <laughs> and sent to the next one. Uh, but the final one that she ended up at, this um, Provo Canyon School, is is really well known. I mean, high security, there was no way she was going to escape from there. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, the and, and this is another one of these cases that, that really fits our prioritizing profits. Because as you can imagine, these facilities make a shit ton of money. Oh, I'm sure the tuition there is absurd. Big business. $30,000 a month. Oh, a month. That um, is insane. Well, and this is averages, but $30,000 a month. Um, is that per person or is yeah, that? Yeah, okay. Jesus Christ. Yeah. yeah. Um, $23 billion annually in public funds. So kids that go through the state, $23 billion. Oh, my. It, that, wow. Well, and so these facilities crop up. And they're not well regulated. Mm-hmm. They have, you know, like she was saying, she's they and they medicate them. I mean, they're putting them on all kinds of medications. She was telling a story about trying to figure out how not to swallow the pills, and then somebody else told on her because they they pit the 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 kids against each other, and you know, one will get favorable treatment if they tattle on the other one anyway. And so she ended up getting in solitary confinement when they found out she wasn't taking the pills. But they don't even have a doctor supervising. I mean, they're giving them prescription medications. How's that legal? It's not. That's oh. the problem. It's absolutely not. Um, I mean, it's it's just insane. It seems like, I mean, it, it sounds reminiscent of like the for-profit um, prisons. They just yeah right yeah, like yeah. they they there's a lot of corners cut uh, in it and a lot of the money's coming from the government and a lot of the practices taking place are just not necessarily 
uh, not not well regulated, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of like I said, cut corners there. Um, that, so so how where's the case here? Is it the children that are suing these facilities? Is it the parents? Um, you know where where's this? Well, it, from? it it could be both. Um, it, it could be both, and there's been and again this this became so so Paris was saying that she she did this uh, documentary in 2020 called This Is Paris, and we, actually we just watched it last night. We saw little clips at the conference, but um, really interesting documentary, and she said that you know she really changed in this process because it was not supposed to be about this at all. And at one point, she had spoken with the director, let her know something. I don't remember how it came up, if it was in the context of the nightmares or whatever. Um, she told her a little bit about the story, and she said, but I don't want that to be my story. That's not my story. Mm-hmm. And the director had said to her, you know, think about all of the kids who don't have a voice like you, who didn't come out of this and, and turn into a successful person. Because lots of these kids, they commit suicide. Mm-hmm. They're in and out of the you know criminal justice system um they become drug addicts i mean they are really scarred traumatized just just torn apart by this experience and they don't bounce back and and so the director was saying to her you have this opportunity you know you have this public persona you have a voice and you coming out against this and sharing your story can really help lots yeah. of kids. And so she decided to do that. And that's um, that was why she showed up at MTMP to talk to all of us and say, hey, sue these people. Yeah. And, and, um, and there are a couple of organizations that are getting really involved in it. Um, they're pushing for more regulation. Um, and, and kind of how this got out in the news, too, is both Paris and then a couple of really horrible situations that happened recently. Now, historically, I guess there were there was this place called the Dozier School for Boys, and, and there were like 80 kids who were killed there over the years. Oh Unmarked God. graves. I mean, crazy shit, right? How is that even possible? Well, I mean, <laughs> it shouldn't be possible. And the state of Florida actually came out and issued a formal apology and put up... Um, oh, well, they a formal apology. Okay. <laughs> sorry about that. No. Um, but... but but uh, and, and then you know put up a what do they call it uh, I don't know a place to recognize the the, the boys a monument yeah. um, but um, so a couple of really horrible situations um, and that there was one. Let's see. Oh, Cornelius Frederick. This happened. A 16-year-old boy. This was through Lakeside Academy in Michigan, um, and he was restrained because he was throwing food in the in the cafeteria. Seven male staff members got on top of him, crushed him, and asphyxiated him, killed him. Oh, my God. 16 years old. And this one got a lot of publicity. This was in 2020. And then also a young girl, 17-year-old Naomi Wood. Um, she was at Lakeland Girls Academy. And I noticed they, a lot of this lake stuff, lakeside, lakeland. Yeah, it's supposed it's to make it sound thing. like we're... It's so beautiful, bucolic. Uh, yeah. And then they're just beating the shit out of these kids. It's a vacation spot. It's lakeside. Right. You know, you get beautiful. to put your feet up in the sun. Yeah, take your little rowboat out. Now they're crushing and asphyxiating kids. It's horrifying, Jesus right? Yeah, yeah. And so, and so, this Naomi, she was sick, complained that she was having stomach issues, and they gave her. They showed in the documents twenty times they gave her Pepto Bismol, but they didn't ever take her to a doctor. Um, then she began vomiting for two days. Two still, days. Two days. Still didn't take her to a doctor. Gave her soup, and then they came and they find she had died. What happened? Um, well, the uh, autopsy said that she suffered from a seizure, so it could have been from dehydration. I don't know all the details on that, but I mean, complete neglect. I mean, had she yeah. been taken to a medical facility, there's no question she would not have died. Yeah. But yeah, so so there are various different um, angles: um, negligence, recklessness, false advertising. I mean, like you said, where they're they're advertising that these are beautiful, wonderful, safe places. Yeah. Send your kids here. We're going to fix them for you. You don't have to deal with you know their antics um, and medical malpractice. Again, mm-hmm. they're having a lot of these employees are minimum wage uh, people who can't get jobs other places because who wants to be out in the middle of Provo, Utah, in the middle of nowhere in the forest with a bunch of troubled teens. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, no medical training, no counseling. They're not helping these kids deal with mental health issues. Um, they're doing this tough love thing, and there's no indication that that actually works. Yeah. Um, and so these kids coming out of this are just oftentimes destroyed. Yeah. I mean, and it makes sense. It's it, it's interesting, but the similarities, I mean, like you said, with this tough love, there's no like re- rehabilitation 
aspect of it really it's just kind of like almost putting them in their place you know putting like them in a corner beating them beating the you know their fight out of them. Yeah, yeah which is, is similar to like the the prison system right like yeah, yeah. that's the entire argument is that there is no rehabilitation if anything going to prison you end up learning more about how to being a, how to be a criminal and kind of just yeah. puts you farther behind and i think um a lot of the kids that are going here especially through the state they already have a lot of issues they already are yeah. struggling with a lot of stuff and they adding, need help and treatment yeah. and counseling and and adding all of this extra trauma on top of it is only going to cause more problems um, and so it, it seems like there's clearly a lot of issues and 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 they are doing there's wrongdoing happening for sure um, would each case be individually individual to the facility itself I'm, a, I'm 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 sure a lot of these problems are widespread across all of them but really you have to take each one individually and it wouldn't necessarily be a mass tort type yeah it, well it probably wouldn't be a mass tort but the cases might be consolidated if there is a certain number of them against you know a particular facility and some of these big facilities um i mean and, and there's they have them all over the country yeah yeah, I mean, some of them have have yeah multiple locations, so they would be individual cases. And again, with a MDL, cases are always individual cases, but they're consolidated. Um, at this point, there isn't any type of consolidation, um, so they would be individual lawsuits. Um, but it's definitely something. Um, I mean, I was pretty pretty horrified. It was something I didn't know a lot about, um, but I definitely got kind of excited about it. Like, you know, this would be the kind of case that makes a difference in people's lives. I mean, not only, you know, helping kids maybe that have been through this to get some compensation so that they can actually get some treatment that will help them, but also preventing other kids from having to yeah. be, you know, to go through these types of, of situations, um, shutting down these places that aren't getting some better regulation in place, making mm -hmm. sure that they do have a medical director, they have doctors on site, they have licensed counselors licensed therapists, um, that there's treatment and it's not just, you know, a prison-like abuse holding facility for kids. You know, and again, I mean, teens can be, teens, teens can do some bad shit and some criminal stuff, but so much of this, I mean, like her situation was she was like sneaking out and going to clubs because she lived in New York City um, and her parents kind of threw her hands up. Um, but I mean, you know, again, I mean, kids are, you know, they're doing, doing, you know, trying marijuana, doing different drugs like that. Is this going to help them? I mean, again, with no medical supervision, not really. Yeah. Um, well, no real re rehabilitation mm -hmm. or counseling, yeah. like you said. Um, and it, I've heard of stories like this before. I've seen, you know, documentaries of, of, of people or like in movies where, um, the parents sign the kid up to this and essentially just release them. Right. And then, like you said, two big burly guys come in the middle of the night and essentially legally kidnap you, yeah. which is so insane to me that to think that that is legal, that your parents can, can put you through, through that. And, and like you said, you know, definitely there's a lot of teens that are difficult and, and some go through some more issues than others, but either way, I mean, that is just such like a defenseless, uh, uh you know, nothing you can do situation where you just have to be kidnapped you have to go to this facility and then once you get there you're not allowed to talk to your parents you're not allowed to talk to anyone you know you're just thrown into this new place with no you know no communication to the outside world with these type of conditions i mean it is that's just insane to me yeah well i mean you think about it i mean think about the the trust issues i mean that your parents you know i mean you may be pissed off at them and you know air quote, hate them. Yeah. But I mean, you know, they still take care of you, presumably. And, and obviously, they, they want you to be in a better, they think what they're doing is the right thing, mm -hmm. you know, and certainly with, with Paris Hilton, you know, her mother was on there and she was pretty horrified because Paris had never told her some of the things that happened to her there. I mean, she just got out and didn't want to have anything to do with it. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, just how that just destroys your you know sense of trust in anybody, mm -hmm. um, you know, that, that somebody would just allow someone to come and drag you out of your bed. And so you, you did start this with how it's a case, cases that we are handling. Would it be a situation where people that have gone or were sent there should reach out if they've, you know, had any problems, if there was anything, you know, any trauma. Because, I mean, yeah. I'm assuming there are some specific cases where, for example, there's deaths or injuries or lack of treatment. But I'm assuming a majority of these cases are more of the psychological trauma, PTSD yeah. side of things, which is a little bit harder to put to quantify. Well, yeah, yeah. So, so for like the two cases we talked about, and I think that was 
was kind of how I veered off into that. Those are cases where the parents are now bringing um, lawsuits against the facilities yeah. um, because their children died in their care. Um, but but certainly there would and, and if it, if a child gets um, is released and is still under eighteen, um, the parents could bring the bring the case. Um, but then somebody who has been released and is over eighteen could bring the case um, on their own behalf. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so it, any. Essentially, anyone that has gone and has had issues, it's probably good for them to reach out and at least kind of have a conversation, which, uh, you know, does seem kind of similar to the Boy Scout situation where it's almost iceberg. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, we're we're seeing the tip of the iceberg. I'm assuming a lot of these problems and experiences are things that people didn't talk about, didn't want to talk about. You mentioned Paris Hilton, how Mm -hmm. she didn't even want to mention it to her parents. Yeah, yeah. Um, And I'm assuming that's how most people are. And so once this starts coming to light, I'm sure more people will start coming out about mm-hmm. their terrible experiences. And even then, I'm sure there's still going to be people in the back that just aren't ready to really bring it yeah. up and, and, and re, you know, address it. Yeah. Well, and one of the things she said, too, is that, you know, when, um, I mean, they tell you, we're, we're going to say you're lying. Your parents aren't going to believe you. Well, and first of all, these <laughs> are kids so who've already been in trouble. And yeah. so, yeah, are you going to believe the kid? I mean, I, quite frankly, I, if somebody if they called and said they were beating the crap out of me, I'd have been like, no, this is a good facility. Look at the brochures. and, and, and You know how much this costs. They- it costs 30000 It can't be. It, she just wants me to come get her. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I could see that. The, and then the, the kids are going to say, well, they're gonna, yeah, they're, you're right. They're not going to believe me. And so then they get out. And do they think people are going to start believing them then? No. Um, but And so one of the organizations that was there with Paris and put on um, a, a talk is called Unsilenced. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and that's actually a good organization too, if somebody has gone through this experience to reach out to, they provide resources um, and support. Um, and I think mm-hmm. just also being in a situation where you can talk to other people who have been through that and they know that, yes, the, these things do happen and we're not lying. And um, I mean, that can be very, very helpful and very supportive. Yeah, and I guess that would probably lead me to my next question is if there are people listening that want to help or maybe experience this and want to look for support or anything like that, did they touch on kind of any of those support groups, support systems? Yeah, yeah. This unsilenced organization um, is definitely definitely where I I would start. Yeah. Um, You know, they have a lot of resources and and support. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, you know, again, just like one of the things in in Paris's um, documentary, documentary she had she they they found several of the other kid teens who were there at the same time as her and they kind of all came together and they did little videos you know on behalf of the organization where they put this like red tape over their mouths and they do a list of all of the you know things that they've experienced since um, since being in the facility Um, and again it's just letting people know hey you know we hear you we see you we know that that you know this happened to us too and it's okay to talk about and get the support that you need. It's important that that that's going on and that they are reaching out and it's coming to light. I, I still think it's just so crazy that this is such a heavily government-supported thing as well, funded, government-funded aspect. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, they, they pay the fees if, if people get, you know, get sent there through the court. But, no. you know, and one of the other things that they were talking about, like parents like would get like these $5,000 off the tuition for referring other parents to get their kids in there and then potential kickbacks. I mean, there's all kinds of crazy things because it's such a big money-making yeah. business. And the more teens they get in there um, and then, you know, their overhead, they keep that low. 30K a month, $1,000 a day to keep yeah. a kid. And I bet you they're spending maybe 50 60 bucks a day on them food (laughs) medication (laughs) i mean and they're not even having a doctor on staff minimum wage for most of the workers i mean they they, a lot of this sounds like it's just getting pocketed and uh really yeah big big business again prioritizing profits that's exactly what yeah over children what it's about yeah over children's safety god that's terrible well that's great that paris hilton came out and spoke on it i think it's really incredible to see her um kind of stepping up and and i'm sure this was really difficult it was a difficult topic to kind of go back to uh bring up those those memories um i'm glad that the director you know kind of talked her into a little bit or convinced her i think he brought up a really good point that there's these facilities facilities are still ongoing hundreds thousands tens of thousands of of kids have gone through them are going through them 
and they don't have a voice. And, and even, um, if, even if they're older and they're adults, they don't have a voice, not like that. And so she's bringing a light to this issue and knowing where to take it, taking yeah. it to you guys yeah. who the attorneys that are able to act upon it in a different way, more than just kind of uh, spreading awareness, but actually yeah. Um, hopefully inciting some change. Yeah, yeah, using her fame for good. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's good to see. Yeah, yeah, so it was, uh, yeah, big stuff at MTMP. Yeah, yeah, this is good info. I mean, we mentioned it last week or the week before that uh, we would be hearing a little bit uh, or hopefully hearing and learning more info. Um, and it sounds like we got yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's more too, and we'll talk next week about some other things. But you know, we only have an hour, so um, can't, can't go into all of them. Uh, um, so, if anyone did go through any of these facilities, definitely recommend them to reach out, as well as to reach out to uh, that organization. Unsilenced. Um, it sounds like they definitely have some good support systems, and I think that is definitely the. Usually, it's the most difficult step is is kind of reaching out. But once you do, I think, um, I mean, from what I, from what I understand, it, it helps. It helps a lot. And that's why those yeah. organizations are there. Um, and I appreciate you, you listening and, and explaining it to us. We are kind of coming to a close here. Was there anything else that you did want to touch on or, or go over before we close out? Um, I would say we, we did have one question. I think we can hold off on the news stories for next, next week. Um, so we hop into one quick question? Let's do it. Okay. Yeah. So the question was, um, don't these lawsuits discourage companies from, na- from making new drugs that could save lives? So which I, what's that face for? It's just, I mean, I think um, I, I understand the question. I yeah. understand it. But I think, like, for example, the AIDS one is, is, a, is a good example of why it doesn't discourage them. Right, right. Well, I mean, the thing is that that it that making you know these drugs are, are it's it's big money. I mean, obviously, all of the corporations that we're talking about, you know, they're multi billion dollar corporations, right? Yeah. Um, and they and so so it is big business to to produce these drugs and to have them under patent for periods of time. Um, so I, you know, and again, the lawsuits. They can so easily avoid lawsuits. Just be honest, okay? I mean, list if you know that there's a risk of a medication, just list it in the warnings. If somebody's if if, if it's in the warnings, and then people can make the decision about whether or not to to uh, to use the medication. Um, they can make plenty of money um, without ending up in lawsuits. I mean, it's really it's the companies that hide things. Um, that know about them and that really do prioritize their profits over safety. Those are the ones where uh, you know the lawsuits are filed, and there has to be something to rein the companies in. Yeah. And if it's not, you know, if there isn't the risk of them being sued, I mean, just think how crazy things would be. We know things are crazy even with, uh, you know, the the, the lawsuits that yeah. happen. Um, so, so I would say, you know, and again, I mean, it's a little bit of a skeptical question, you know, I I don't think anybody wants companies just to be completely unregulated, um, you know, not called to task when they're caught doing. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, interesting because it almost comes from the perspective that they are making these drugs specifically to save lives, which uh, from what we've t- discussed is more of a secondary <laughs> to anything is, is the first one is money. I mean, with uh-huh. the AIDS, AIDS drug situation where they had a better drug and they were just kind of keeping it under the table and, and not releasing it until their patent on the first one ran out. Um, I mean, if they were really concerned about saving lives and that was their main priority, they would have released the better drug that worked more effectively and reduced a lot of the side effects and and prevented a lot of the issues that the first one did. And they would have avoided a lawsuit. And they would have avoided a lawsuit. It would have been a double win-win. Exactly. Saving lives, avoided lawsuits, and making money. But it's just not necessarily that simple. And, um, you know, these lawsuits are here to prevent situations like that from coming up. It's to push them to hopefully make the right decision of informing their their customers, their users of their drug and uh, being open. With, with what yeah. they're working on. Well, exactly, being on. open. And, and when they, you know, even aftermarket, when they find out that a drug has a side effect that maybe they didn't realize about, 
letting then the doctors know and the patients know um, so that they can make you know the right health decision mm-hmm. um, for themselves. And if you don't have the lawsuits, then they're never going to do that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, yes, there's a balance. Um, but I mean, again, the, it's not like people are running out and filing a bunch of frivolous lawsuits because, you know, lawyers put up millions of their dollars mm-hmm. to do this and their time. And so, it, you know, this is a high risk business. Um, it's not, you know, we're not just running around suing people willy nilly because yeah. if we do that, we're going to go bankrupt. Mm-hmm. Um, if if it's not a good case, if it's not a, a you know a strong case that ultimately you know you're going to get reimbursed for your expenses, you're going to go bankrupt. Those attorneys aren't in business anymore. So you know, I mean, I know I'm beating a dead horse. With that <laughs> well, one, but. there's there's also a lot of cases that don't have to do with these type of drugs that would save lives or serious. You know, for example, two of them that we talked about, Zantac and the hair relaxers. Uh, to my knowledge, those aren't necessarily saving lives. <laughs> but what they are doing is that they're misleading customers. They're causing problems that weren't disclosed, whether they knew it or not. And the hair relaxers specifically, I mean, that's something that's not even a drug. Well, it's, I mean, a it cos- it's a cosmetic. It's a cosmetic thing. Exactly. And I mean, you know, again, uh, you know, if, if maybe, yeah, I want my, I want my hair to look good. Everybody wants their hair to look yeah. good. But if it's going to kill me, I will have my hair look not that way. Well, and if uh, if it is going to kill me, I'd like to know, and then I'll only <laughs> use it on really important days, on on photo shoot day, you know, exactly. podcast day, podcast day. <laughs> then all right, I might risk it for the biscuit, but. All right, so I guess that that that's that's our answer. Uh, we yeah. could we could have gone into more detail. But I think I think we covered think it pretty well. We're good. Okay. Well, it is coming up on that hour. Uh, appreciate everyone for tuning in, hanging out with us. Um, we hope you enjoyed last week's video. Big thanks to Fernie for putting that together. Yes, he is definitely. an absolute whiz behind the scenes. Massive shout out. Um, we hope you enjoyed today's show. Definitely got a lot of new information from this last week. MTMP. Um, it was super interesting to hear about the Zantac settlement. I mean, the hair relaxers, it's good to hear the FDA is finally kind of waking up with the possible concerns there. And then Paris Hilton. Doing, uh, doing what I think surprised a lot of people is she's coming out and, and giving a voice to people that don't have a voice mm-hmm. in a, in a yeah. big possible Kudos case there. Kudos to her, for sure. Um, so if you, if you have Zantech, reach out to us. Trouble Teen Industry with the, um, the, the facilities. If you've been in one of those and you need a support system or you want to reach out, feel free to reach out to us as well as Unsilenced. Uh, but with that being said, I hope everyone has a fantastic week. Be sure to check us out on TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. If you got any questions, throw it down in the comments. We'll definitely uh, address it on one of our shows. And if it's something you don't want to post out in public, that's okay. You can also email us at podcast at showeredlaw.com. Um, and even if it's just a story, comment, question, whatever it is, we'd love to hear it. We love hearing from you guys. Uh, but with that being said, I hope you guys have a fantastic week. Prioritizing profits, prioritizing, prioritizing, prioritizing dangerous drug and product cases.